This is the Bible in Depth with PJ. Join us as we take a deeper look into scriptures and study the Word of God together. Now here is Pastor Jim. Hello, thanks for joining us. It's, um, it's Wednesday and uh, we are currently in Colossians, our Bible study. We take it very slow in our verse by verse and it's designed to take you more in depth, take you a step further. It's our heart and our goal that you would learn uh, the doctrines of Scripture and take yourself deeper in the Word and to give you stronger foundations, especially uh, in our culture as they're attacking such foundations. We want to make sure that you have a biblical worldview, that you know what you believe as you study this Word of God. Now, we're coming to you here on Facebook, our Church Norco page, and then obviously you can watch it later on during the week. Uh, on our NBCC Norco YouTube channel or Facebook, and many of you watch it on YouTube, you can download as a podcast. However you do it, just watch. It lasts about 20 minutes, 22 minutes, and it's designed for you. So we're going to pick up, today we're going to do one verse, Colossians 3.12, and yes, I'm, for those of you who've been around New Beginnings a long time, um, I, I'm, I specialize in one verse. So we're shifting now, I should say not me, but Paul. Paul is shifting from pre-Christ behavioral patterns, things that we leave behind. He says, put off, and we're to put on these new way of life. And we're to do that by renewed thinking to a true knowledge of the one, Jesus Christ. So we're to take on a renewed mind according to the Word of God as we find out exactly what God thinks, how God wants us to view things and get a biblical worldview. One of the first things, the new things that, that we walk in as a family of God, a child of the family of God, is that um, we're part of this big family. And all these different ethnicities of only one race. There is only one race on planet Earth. It's just they got it all wrong up there. But all these ethnicities come together and we're a family of God. And I really like that too. So we're going to continue on into these new patterns because one family, all the ethnicities coming together, one family, Father is our God, is the first step. But I'm going to show you many next steps. So here we go. And the first thing I want to tell you today is God chose you because He loves you. God chose you because he loves you. Now, this is very important, but let me read the verse first, Colossians 3.12, and it says, So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Okay, so let's dig into this thing right now. So, <clears throat> becomes very important because he, God chose us because of one reason, because He loved us. And He loves us. I think this might be one of the most important truths that you and I need to grasp. Because we live in times, every culture is like this, not just ours, where they put such an emphasis. In fact, I would even say that external beauty is, is the, the idolatry today. Uh, but they put such an emphasis, emphasis on external beauty and specific abilities. If you're not careful, you can start to compare yourself and feel very, very inferior or insecure to other people. And so this idea, this truth that God chose you because He loves you is big. Watch this. <clears throat> I'm going to take you to Deuteronomy chapter 7, and we're going to see what God says to the Israelites um, you know, his chosen people. But watch verse 6 through 8. It's interesting what God says. He says, For you are a holy people to the Lord your God, and the Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his own possession. 
out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love on you nor choose you because you were more in number than any of the peoples, for you were the fewest of all peoples. But because the Lord loved you and kept the oath which he swore to your forefathers, the Lord brought you out by a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Now, you just think about kind of the essence of that verse, and that is that God, he didn't choose the Israelites because they were this big, special group of people. He picked them for one reason. He loved them. He loved them. Look, I, I talked to many people in my life, and, and, and there are just too many people that have grown up and were not, at least didn't feel love or were told things by parents, step-parent or whatever, or a parent left them, and they just didn't feel love. And it's caused relational trauma and damage in their adult life. Yes, the past does invade the present. Now, but I'm here to tell you that God loves you according to this Word of God. Vitally important. You know why? Because I don't have to try to be somebody else to be accepted. I'm just accepted for who I am. I don't have to try to find my identity in some actor or some singer or some athlete. And hey, I like watching movies and I like songs and I like sporting events, but that's not my identity. I don't have to wear some guy's name on my back and it's okay if you do, it doesn't mean you're doing anything wrong. But I don't have to find my identity in that. I, my identity is, is in Jesus Christ. I'm loved by him. So I can walk around and feel very secure in who I am, not feel inferior. I used to feel that way. I used to have a lot of these things, but I don't anymore because the more and more I wash my mind with this word of God and I know I love by, I'm loved by the Father in heaven and so are you and I'm chosen because he loves me, that's, that's a big game changer. But let me tell you the problem on that. It doesn't change that God loves us or chose us, but there is a problem on our side. Hypothetical situation. Have you ever been to a wedding? And the minister performs the wedding and they pronounce you husband and wife and they gives the bride a kiss and they walk down the aisle and they go to the reception and they, they, they stuff cake in each other's face and they're sitting there and everybody's ding, 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 ding and they give each other a kiss and they, and they you know, the first dance and, every, and beautiful pictures and everything. And then at the end of everything and when they're about to go on the, on the honeymoon, the groom says uh, to, I should say, the bride says to the groom, well, we'll see you later. And she hops in the car with an old boyfriend and takes off to go live with him. Now, I don't think you've seen, I hope you've never seen that. But if you have, that's weird. That's wrong. You know, some Christians live that way. We're the bride of Christ. God loves us. God chose us. And we go through this whole ceremony of, yes, Lord, I worship you, I love you. And then we go out and hop in the car with our old way of life and live in sin like, like we've never changed, like we never met Christ in our life. Listen, God chose us because He loved us, but He's chosen us to be holy, to walk holy. And we can through the power of God. We're little by little changing. Now, moving on in this whole uh, thing that Paul's talking about, in, in verses 5-9, through nine, which we've talked about in weeks past, it was all external behavior he was talking about. Now he's going to set his sights on internal behavior. Let me give you, for instance, what Jesus does. You know, Jesus, um, he makes those statements in Matthew 5. He says, you know, you've heard it said. And one of the things he says, you've heard it said that uh, you shall not commit adultery. Physical, outward thing. He says, but I say to you, 
Whoever looks on a woman to lust after her has committed adultery in his heart. So he moves it from the outside to the inside. So you don't just sit on the outside. You can sit on the inside. Now, Paul's going to take, take aim at the insides of our life. And in Colossians 3.12, which we read already, he's going to tell us to put on a heart of certain things. So here we go. In Colossians 3.12, Paul, he, let me read it to you one more time so we can affirm it. He says, so as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Mm. So now Paul says, we're going to move to the inside of you, Jim. We're going to deal with that stuff. So listen closely. We're to put on a heart of compassion. Hmm. Paul uses the words put on. He's used them before in verse 10, put on. Now, what's compassion? Compassion is not sympathy. You can feel sympathy for someone and do nothing about it. Compassion is movement. The best way to define compassion is tender feelings in our heart toward others. Jesus felt compassion many times. It literally means he was gutted on the inside. It was a deep, deep feel that he felt for others, and it moved him to action to do something good for that person. It moved him to do good. Let me tell you one thing compassion does. It'll make you easier to live with because you'll feel for the other people and you'll take action to good things for them. It'll make you and I less condemning, less judgmental because we won't look at them with like, oh, that person, this, and look at We'll feel compassion. We'll feel, man, it's awful that they fall into this or made that decision and we won't walk around so judgmental. And we all have a tendency to do that. So we're to put on this heart of compassion. We're to be gutted. And you know, that'll move you to be generous with other people too, to help them out, even when they don't even deserve it. But then he says, put on the heart of kindness. Kindness, yeah. Well, kindness is, uh, means gentle. It's a, uh, a moral goodness that we have. <clears throat> you know what kind people do? Kind people do good deeds to people who do not deserve it. Let me say it again. Kind people do good deeds to people who do not deserve it. Hmm. Isn't that what Paul said? Didn't Paul write something like that when he wrote this in um, Romans 12, uh, 20 to 21? He says, if your enemy is hungry, notice it's your enemy. If your enemy is hungry, we'll feed him. If your enemy, if he's thirsty, we'll give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap burning coals upon his head. Don't be overcome with evil. In other words, don't seek to pay back or criticize or condemn. Don't be overcome with that stuff. But overcome evil with good. Ah. <clears throat> you know why this person can live that way in Romans chapter 12? All you have to do is back up to Romans 12, 1 and 2. They've been transformed by the renewing of your mind. Remember, to have a true knowledge of the living God or to change and have a renewed mind. You can live that way and you can treat people who don't treat you right because your mind is renewed. You don't have to live like them. They wouldn't do it for you, but you have a renewed mind and you have compassion and you would do it for them. Therefore, you can be kind. Now, when you have compassion and you have kindness, now you walk in humility. Now, I said a few of these things when I, on Father's Day, so let me re reiterate them again. 
Um, humility um, means humility of mind. You have a humble opinion of yourself. You don't put yourself down, but you have a humble opinion of yourself, no matter how successful you are in life. C.S. Lewis said this, humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking about yourself less. That's a really good working definition. <clears throat> listen, listen, listen. If you or the person you're dating is not willing to think less of yourself, don't get married. Pull way back off the relationship, pull your foot off the pedal, and you got to rethink this one because you could be heading for a nightmare, my friends. If you or your spouse are not thinking less of yourselves, well, that could be the source of the tension in your marriage. By the way, don't you ever get tired of tension and fighting in a marriage and arguing? That just gets old. I mean, don't you think that if you keep doing this, that maybe you guys aren't kind of taking the right steps? Maybe it's time to journey somewhere you've never been into a new way of relating? Huh. It, yeah, I think it is. Now, Watch what James, the brother of Jesus, says because the source of tension in a relationship, watch what he says. James 4.1. What is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? And he answers, is not the source your pleasures that wage war in your members? Jesus' half-brother James says, the source of relationship fighting is you and me. We want what we want when we want it. I chronically think about what I want. It's about me. And that's what he says the source of conflict is. That's where relationships go south and go sour. It becomes about us. That's why I need to reiterate, if you're dating somebody that's just, it's just about them, you need to backpedal, step back, think this thing through because you may think, oh, they'll change after, you, after I marry them. Okay, look, look into my eyes. You know how many times I've heard that from people in counseling that thought that? Too many times. They don't change after you marry them. The ring's on the finger. The, the license isn't blood. <laughs> Why do they need to change now? If they're not going to change on the front side, they ain't going to change on the back side. So it's better to change on the front side before you step into this thing. Now, <clears throat> humility. It's all about humility. It means think less of myself. If I think less about myself, I'll think more about you and what you need and what benefits you. And that's a healthy way to relate. And it doesn't mean you negate your needs. It just means you are thinking more of the other person than yourself. It destroys selfishness. And selfishness, is that'll destroy any relation. Now, and then from there, Paul says, okay, we put on a heart of gentleness slash meekness. Uh, gentleness, meekness, it's the same word. <clears throat> Don't confuse you know, as we like to say, preachers, don't confuse meekness with weakness. 
It's not. It has nothing to do with weakness. Let me tell you what this Greek word in the classical setting means. Meekness is a word used to describe a soothing wind, a healing medicine, and a wild colt stallion that's been broke. Now think about the wind and the medicine and the stallion colt. Each one has power. The wind left to itself can become a twister and destroy. Medicine, if you give too high a dose of medicine, it can kill. A horse that's never been broken can stomp and kill a person. But if you take each one and put them under control, you can harness wind, it creates electricity, does it not? It can push a sailboat, can it not? Wind can do good stuff. Medicine, if you harness it, give right doses, the right prescriptions, it can help people. A horse, strong horse, if it's broken, well, you can use it for benefit. You can ride the horse, you can pull different things, you know, it's good. Well, that's the meek person. Wind, medicine, and a horse all have power. You have power. But the meek person keeps that power under control. Under control. That's, that's a fruit of the Spirit. That you're not blowing off the handle all the time. You're not blowing up in anger all the time. Or you're not raising your voice to try to intimidate and do things like that. No, that's sin. You know, the meek person doesn't fly off the handle in anger. The meek person doesn't go on the attack when they feel like they've been offended. The meek person doesn't walk around feeling, I gotta give everybody my opinion and scream. That's not a meek person whatsoever. That's power out of control. The meek person is power under control. Under control. When you walk through the door at night, power under control. You wanna have a good evening when you get home? Power under control. You gonna get along with other people? Power under control. You wanna keep a job and not lose it? Power under control. Yeah. Thought, last thought. Jesus on the cross, does he have power? <laughs> you yeah, yeah. Could, could he have just jumped off the cross and squashed people? You better believe it. They screamed at him, come down off the cross, save yourself. He wasn't gonna do that. He's power under control. He knows what he's gotta do. He knows he's gotta die to save people. Instead of jumping off the cross and destroying everybody and lighting them up, he forgives them. Power under control. The new you and the new me, meekness. We put on meekness. Power under control. It's that simple. It will change every relationship you are in. It will change you. And boy, people will wonder what happened and now the open door for your testimony. We're going to stop there this week, and we'll pick it up next time. I'm glad you joined us. You have a great day. Thank you for joining us. If you have any questions or need prayer, please send us an email to hello at nbcc.com. We'd love it if you would subscribe to this podcast and take a second to rate it. Until then, we'll see you next time.